Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Victor Marks Show. I am Victor Marks. That's with an X, and it's on a lot of our apparel because I think when I'm older, my wife did that, so I'll know who I am if people find me wandering around. Listen, I have a very special guest joining us today. Many of you know him from the movie Black Hawk Down. I'm talking about Matt Everson. Matt is a retired first sergeant who served in the military for 20 years, and he was in the Battle of Mogadishu. And as uh, really, I mean, his role was immortalized in that epic film. You know, Matt has a heart for veterans and their families and continues to serve them through his business, Eversman's Advisory. Let's get to this inspiring interview now on this edition of the Victor Mark Show. Hey, Matt, welcome to the show and thanks for joining me today. So let me ask you, with your company, Eversman Advisory, how do you help soldiers who are transitioning into the civilian sector, you know, after service. I mean, what are the what are some of the steps? Because I know there's guys listening right now that go, maybe I should reach out to him. Or uh, how does that work? Yeah, you know, there's this two pieces of this equation. You know, there's the veteran that wants to go out and get hired, and there's the employer that's looking for the veteran. Um, what we found over the course of the first year of business was that. Interestingly enough, even with social media and everything, of which I'm a knucklehead, but you know, with the the usual suspects of social media, um, it was really hard to get direct contact with veterans, with, with soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marine that were on active duty. You know, I mean, I was getting a lot of folks that had been out three, four, five years. Not that they don't need love too, but right. we were trying to get, you know, left of that boom and, and get them before they came out into, um, you know, sort of no man's land. And so we figured like, gosh, why are we having such a tough time getting in touch with veterans? I mean, mm. I'm writing to the secretary of the army and, you know, everybody I can and, you know, get crickets. So we made the, again, one of those pivots was if we can start from the employer side of the house, you know, that HR hiring, recruiting executive and work backwards, you know, eventually what we'll be able to do is, is get these veterans, you know, in a longer onboarding process. Like my whole strategy was make these companies have a longer onboarding, you know, identify their targets, so to speak. And while they're doing this onboarding, we can do all the assimilation stuff. You know, we can pump their little squirrel heads full of all the lessons learned the hard way. So that eventually, you know, when they spill out on the other end and are are in the in industry, you know, we, the company now deploys them within the right capabilities. You know, we were seeing nice. as, as you've seen, you know, we, we we're all these like, oh, we got to hire, you know, a hundred thousand, you know, veterans on the on Wall Street. You know, I'm like that's noble, that's awesome. I mean, super duper, hundred thousand veterans. Except, you know, and and I hate to say it, but you know, J.P. Morgan's going to hire the. The kid that graduated from Navy and flew F-16s for, you know, two years, then went out and went to the Warden School, which is, again, phenomenal, except you were going to hire him or her anyway. You know, you're not hiring Eversman. Right. You know, you're not hiring Marks. You might get Teagues on a good day, but, <laughs> you know, it was like that whole thing. So I'm like, how do we 
how do we help the kids that are really need to help? And, and a long, long, long answer to the question is our approach was going from the employer sort of perspective and working backwards. And then, of course, COVID hit. So, you know, everything sort of was on on a bit of a pause. Um, um, all I can say is, you know, the lesson I learned, you know, from the first, you know, two years of, of business outside of just learning the business of the business was there's an incredible pool of talent that we call veterans. And sadly, after 20 years of war, and we're just talking post 9-11, they're not that much better off in this you know, transition world. And uh, that's frustrating to me. Um, and it's frustrating to me that there are a lot of business there. You know, there are so many people, Victor, that after after 20 years, they've still not been touched by 9-11. Right. You know, I mean, people that have never met a soldier, they they don't know a soldier. No, it doesn't mean they're bad people. They just don't know them. Anyway, I'm, I'm sucking up all the oxygen, but uh, you put a quarter in me, man. I don't shut up. No, this is good. This is good. I, I, want, I want to move toward your writing career. You've written some books. I mean, the Battle of Mogadishu, probably the best known, and and then you have a current, a newer one, Walk in My Combat Boots. So let let me ask you, why do you think it's important for a younger generation to read the Battle of Mogadishu? Oh man, uh, listen, you, you know the the operative word there. First of all, is read, read. You, you know, none of us are going to get any smarter, you know, unless we read. Um, but you know this this idea of you know, for me was uh, with the Battle of Mogadishu, I, I really wanted to, honestly, I wanted to write a leadership book, except nobody would publish it. Like, you know, I, I had this draft and I sent it to an agent and, and she very kindly was like, well, you know, not really, not kind of it. But one of these small publishers said, hey, if you wrote, uh, got a collection of stories about Mogadishu, we would publish that. And I'm like, well, you know, they wrote Black Hawk Down. I don't really need another one. However, I'm like, the other hand, we could get some more folks that didn't have an opportunity to share their stories. Right. So that was sort of a win-win. Um, and that really kind of, as we, we fast forward to to the book that just came out, Walking My Combat Boots, you know, uh, Jim Patterson approached me about that. And he's like, hey, I, I think that people, they've forgotten that we have soldiers and sailors and airmen and Marines deployed. And it's it's not on the news and it's not in the paper. And we need to you know, thank our lucky stars that we sleep, you know, safely at home. So James Patterson asked you if you'd like to do a book, you nod your head and say, yeah, I'm, I'm in. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, and you know, I, I think this newer generation, this younger generation, it's important for them to understand the sacrifices that people made. I'm generalizing and stereotyping, but, you know, the younger generations tend to be a little bit softer they don't understand embracing hardship for, you know, a greater good. And I think stories, you know, gosh, like the Battle of Mogadishu and now Walk in My Combat Boots, I, I really think if people read that, uh, and it could be a parent that just needs to buy it, give it to their kid and say, hey, I want you to check this out. You, you won't remember this because you were too young, but this is something that will build character in you. And we're, we're very pro around here building character because character counts yep. versus just gifts and talents. Everybody works on gifts and talents, but the characters is really what will keep you in the hardest of situations and your combat experience in the movie Black Hawk Down proved it. When you think of hardship and enduring and, you know, sucking it up, buttercup, what was one of your most 
memorable aspects of that battle. Um, but from forwards to backwards, you know, uh, not to get really deep, young 20-somethings, late teenagers, 20-somethings in battle, you know, most of us uh, never have to deal with mortality until then. Like, that's that's the reality of combat, I think. The ultimate, you know, reality is that that men and women, you know, really well-trained, well-disciplined, well-equipped, everything, you know, are going to die on the battlefield at the hands of of an inferior enemy, quite candidly. And um, so for me to have one of my soldiers die on my lap and then having to drive on, you know, then I hate to bombard you with cliches, but, you know, having to, to load, you know, the casualty into the vehicles because, you know, we're still in the fight. You know, we're still fighting. We're, we're not done. Um, you know, that's a tremendous amount. And I'm sounding really self-righteous and I apologize because um, lots of men and women are doing it every day as we speak. But, you know, to to realize like, wow, you know, the incredible tragedy that I've just to realize, like, I, I got to just I literally have to suck this up. I've got to hit that switch, drop the dial, whatever we're using um, cause we, we got, we got to get back on, we got to fight, you know, we have to fight. And according 30 years later, it's easy to sound like really matter of fact about it, Victor, but that's really a hard thing. But I think that you're able to do it. And I'm no psychologist, but certainly, um, but I think you're able to do that, um, for a variety of reasons. And it's a couple of things that come to mind. You've touched on, you know, toughness, you know, mental, physical, and spiritual toughness come in. Um, you know, mission focus, understanding the big picture and, you know, dedication to that. Um, and let alone, you know, your, your love of your team, your, you know, the esprit de corps, yeah. uh, that is, is, you know, an important part too, because you never want to let your team down. So I think all those add into how you get through those, those tough times and maybe they're, they all happen at once, or maybe they sort of one triggers the other. I don't know, but, um. I do know this. I got to watch a lot of men, certainly in Mogadishu and then in Iraq, men and women, but particularly Mogadishu, I watch a lot of young men do incredibly brave things. Just like, holy smokes, man, that was like, I can't even believe I just watched that. And you realize like they're just average kids. Um, and I say kids yeah. with affection, but you know, they're they're just kids from, you know, from Baton Rouge and Natural Bridge and Dallas and, you know, West Palm Beach, you name it. That's it. They're everybody. I love that you share that because it is when you see people, and I say this, you often really find out the core of a person and their character under very adverse circumstances. And it's funny, the ones that rise to the top. Yeah. Sometimes are, are not, not the big bravado. Um, I think of one story uh he was a young man that i got involved into our team in high risk the, the missionary work and humanitarian work and he he was our turp force he was a yazidi his name is shaheen and shaheen was you know just out of college english major just wanted to help kids but his town was sacked and and he he had the courage to step up and go let i want to help you so he started doing pumps and things with us. And, you know, ISIS was everywhere. But at one point, there was one day in particular where the team he was on was David Eubanks, uh, Free Burma Rangers. And uh, they were about to pump into a, a spot where it was 
but it was pretty nasty. And Shaheen dropped to his knees and said, I can't go. I can't do this anymore. I've got to go back to my tent city. I can't. And um, Eubanks said, "What? Well, you know, we're here from America helping your people. And you can't go with us? We need a turp. And he asked Shaheen, he said, you know, or he told him, he said, do you want to be known as a coward? Mm. And, and Shaheen looked up and said, but Dave, I am a coward. Mm. You know, <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you handle that response? He's like fully embracing. Wait a minute. Is that supposed to leverage me? I am a coward. Oh, and yeah, yeah. to great leadership, to great leadership. And it shows the character in that young man. He was challenged. Hey, you can make a decision right now. You don't have to be a coward. You know, he he pushed. He embraced. He went through. And he ended up doing so many missions. Uh, and ultimately, he gave his life rescuing a girl, mm. a little girl. You know, there are some that stand out when people sacrifice. But that one, it really, I love telling Shaheen's story. And it's so personal to me because young people, I think many in our, in this generation, Matt, they know they feel like a coward, but they're just waiting for someone to challenge them and say, you don't have to be, you don't have to feel like this. There's a warrior inside of you. I think that's uh, your second t-shirt of the day, Victor, is there's a warrior inside of you in you know, I know that the, a lot of this becomes cliched, you know, in this day and age. I mean, you go on the Internet and everybody's like till Valhalla kind of stuff and right. you know, whatever. But I do believe you're right. I, I think that I think that it is uh, intrinsic. Um, it's just it's been beaten down for, for a variety of, uh, the, I think, the obvious reasons. It's not in vogue to, you know, support a national mission. Other than a little bit, that little group of misfits that join the military, the ne'er-do-wells that go in, um, you know, there's right. there's a lot of people that just give a lip service. Um, but, you know, we don't want to um, acknowledge that, first of all, there's evil in this world. I mean, let's cut right down to it. There's evil in this world all over the place um, that needs to be uh, dealt with by, by men and women who, scared or not, and listen, I would almost make an argument if you're not afraid going into battle, you're, you're a psycho, you're, you're a freaking weirdo. Right. Um, you yep. know, um, but uh, you know, the, there's just evil that needs to be met head on with, uh, extreme, you know, violence. Uh, and, and that I think is something that for whatever reason has been downplayed, like, like that's not, and it isn't just happen, you know, in, in 2021, you know, this has been happening, right. you know, for a long time, the degradation of this core value and, you know, how this has all come about, which we could spend a lot of time talking about, but I'll spare you my theory. Oh, I think that'd be a good, another interview. Well, yeah, I, I thank you. To answer your question, honestly, Victor, I, I do. I think there are young men that, you know, that, that are, they just don't know it yet. And they've, no one's told them, or they've told them in the wrong way. You know, we haven't we haven't illustrated that. You know, you don't have to be able to bench press four hundred pounds. You know, to go do good in this world. Right. You know, you, you know, you, you, thinking man's gun club, the thinking woman's gun club is is alive and well. And um, I think they'd be surprised. I think they'd be genuinely surprised in a good way. Like, wow, look, I can do this. I can. Whatever that that challenging, tough thing is, I can do it. Um, I agree a million percent. Yeah, for those of you listening right now, 
you're listening to a man who knows firsthand, has led men into battle, uh, many battles, not just the battle of Mogadishu, and understands the warrior within. And uh, some of you want that. Some of you really desire. Listen, get his book, Walk in My Combat Boots, today. Order it. Do not put it off because this is a good first step to go, how do I become what we here at All Things Possible talk about? We need masculine, moral men. We need manhood, manhood to return stronger in the U.S. because it is waning. And there are many of you that want that but you don't have the leaders, but you can have a leader through a book. Many lives have been shaped through the pen and paper and character built by true stories uh, that matter. So I'm going to encourage you, please go online. And it's a great book to give to someone uh, that you know may be aching. And I'm talking about the young man stuck in a basement, just gaming. The one that's, you know, maybe in a bad cause, but it's it fits them. Uh, me and Teagues and a couple other team members, we were in New York City, Matt, one time when there was a big demonstration. Uh, and it was, you know, it was it was out of control. Police everywhere. So I, uh, we were walking by and I had my dog, Super Scout, with me, the little Belgian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we I walked right into the middle of a crowd. There was part of them. The leaders were sitting down. Kind of said, I walked right in the middle, sat down next to him. Here I am, older white man. I sit around the middle. And uh, everything representing that group probably would hate me. But they saw my dog and they said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I just wanted to find out what are you all protesting about? Mm-hmm. This is pretty impressive. And they go, well, that statue. I said, really, which one? You know, the well, the one over. I said, where is it? I, I don't know. I think it's on 23rd Street. That I go, what, what are we going to do about it? Well, we hope to tear it down. I'm like, yeah, wow, you guys are all in. And I said, I like y'all's moxie. I may not agree with what you're doing, but I like the moxie. I said, we need you in Iraq. Hmm. They were like, what? I said, I need y'all to come over there and come in some of these IDP camps of displaced children and women and just show them love because you have so much energy. And they were like, really? People like us can do it? I said, absolutely. So just trying, all of a sudden, I was their new best friend. And, um, you know, just speaking that challenge to go, yeah, I love you, Moxie, maybe a little misdirected. Have you thought about this? Mm-hmm. So young people and parents who are tired and and certainly old salty guys who look at a younger generation like, why I ought to, <laughs> some of them should be knocked around, but, you know, it, it's a full-time job. And I say just challenge them to harness that, right? Because that's, that's part of good leadership. But to your point, and I'll close on this, to your point, and this might surprise some people, there is a need for good people to stand in the gap. You know, I think the Bible talks about being watchmen on the walls. There's a lot of evil going on. And I remember talking to, again, our good friend, Colonel Teagues, who was with Delta uh, for a decade, probably a thousand missions with them, and a, a leader highly respectable and very good. And I remember asking my, I said, I said, Jeff, do you miss killing people? Do you miss killing bad guys? And without, without a hesitant, he said, yes. I said, why? He goes, cause I was very good at hunting monsters and killing them. And, uh, I said, you know what? 
you are someone that is gifted with stopping the manifestation of evil with, as he said, extreme violence. And he saw it as a gift from God. And I just think, although those are harsh words to some, people need to understand that tonight there are people standing in a gap. Tonight there are people in places you wouldn't want to be doing things you wouldn't want to do. But you, all I ask is don't get in their way and then support them when they come home. Amen Because it matters. So I would love everybody listening to get a hold of Matt Eversman's one or two of his books for sure. Uh, the Battle of Mogadishu or Walking My Combat Boots. If you want to learn about leadership, if you want to learn about real stories that matter to develop character that counts. And uh, Matt, I asked I asked my guests two questions before we close on every broadcast that we never tell people. So I'm going to ask you. Lay it on me. All right. First one, most people live by perception. So I always ask my guests, what is your perception of our organization, me, what we do? What What is your perception? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a fantastic question because I, I do have the um, background of knowing, you know, Jeff, you know, as we were saying before the show, yeah. you know, I got to, I, I didn't know anything about uh, ATP before Jeff came to work for you. And then I found out a little bit about it. And my perception was you all were clearly doing the healing work. You were administering and administering to the women, the children, the refugees, those that were suffering at the hands of, of terrorists, uh, those that were suffering at the hands of uh, sex traffickers, the human traffickers, the degenerate, just evil people in this world, uh, specifically women and children uh, that you mm. were were again ministering and I say administering to. I like that. That was my first perception of that. Um, and now I've as I've learned a little bit more, you know, about what's going on in Colorado. I, I'm, I'm snooping around this idea of what you've been doing with the leadership development um, post. But um, anyway, that's my perception. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, kind words and. Yeah, it's, but I love that. I haven't ever heard anybody say minister and administer. You, you're just a plethora of wisdom. You are a sage, man. I got my hair, I got my hair cut today. Uh, so I got about like 30 <laughs> seconds before like stupidity really comes out. I, I'm getting at least three shirts out of this. I can guarantee I'm going to you. Uh, <laughs> last, last question. Totally subjective to a person. Uh, whatever their belief system is, but we know we're all going to die. There's no way out of that one. What do you think is going to happen once you die, and why do you believe it? Yeah, so that's the 64,000 or the eternal question, so to speak. Uh, I I think hopefully, hopefully, and I pray constantly that, uh, you know, first of all, I'm going on the up elevator and not Got to wear Nomex because that would really be bad. Um, and I say that yeah. sort of jokingly, but no, I think that um, we are hopeful that, um, as one of the great uh, one of my great ministers told me once, it's like Matt, I, I hope God is kind and not just. You know, and I'm like, that's a good one. Like, because he's like, if he's just, it's um, ooh, it could be tough. Um, but I do believe that. Uh, you know, when our mission is done here and God calls us home, whenever that's going to be, 
that eventually, you know, our, our, our physical bodies or our physical bodies, but our souls, you know, are going to go to heaven to be, you know, with our father. And, um, you know, that's, that's it. That's just, so again, I, as I told you before, I, I got to make things really simple, you know, and I realize it's far more complexities, but, uh, but that's it. You know, we, we, do write, um, you know, I, I think the four words that mean the most to me, thy will be done. Like, that's it. Like, that's it. Like, that's, uh, you know, it, it ain't hard. I mean, it's tremendously hard, of course, but um, you, you don't have to be a, a PhD in in theology to start with those four. No, agreed. I'll tell you, some, yeah, sometimes the PhDs, I call them post hole diggers, you know, can make it a lot more complicated than it should be. Yeah. Matt, thank you for being on this program. Thank you for your new friendship and for your service and your continued service. Uh, you're a man who exemplifies character that counts, uh, who is both gifted and talented. And um, you pack a lot of wisdom. I'm going to call you the sage, the the bald eagle sage. That's, that's, my, new, that's my new call sign. Uh, right there. That's it. Bald Eagle it. Stage. That's Bald it. Bald Eagle Stage. Right there. That's going to be it. Um, Send it. Send it. That's good. All right, awesome. brother. No. Hey, to all of you, <laughs> to all of you listening and watching, uh, we appreciate your support of the show and our ministry with what we do. And wherever you are, whatever lane you're running in, do the best you can with excellence. Remember, character counts and get it done. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time. 